When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, hey, hey. Come on in. Welcome back to your Friday Buckeye Talk. It is not live. It is not on Zoom. Well, it is on Zoom because everything's on Zoom, but it's just the three of us Zooming. No texters with us this time because you know what? It's been a long week. It's Rutgers week, uh, and we just didn't do the live thing. So we'll get back with our live texters probably next week for Maryland. Although, as we said, this is the beginning of this stretch. So we're not telling you to like, hey, don't listen to the Friday pod because we're picking games where Ohio State's going to win by 40. But make sure you listen to the big Thursday pod where we dug in on chain restaurants and Jim Harbaugh and recruiting and the latest Ohio State news. There's a lot of good stuff in there. So this one might be shorter. Every time I say we're going to have a shorter podcast, we don't. But if there's one, this one is a little shorter, you have extra time this weekend. Maybe check out Orange and Brown Talk. We did some um, Cleveland Browns sort of midseason grades on there. If you like the Browns, if you ever don't listen to that, try it. Orange and Brown Talk. I was on there with everybody. I just did our Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Talked a little Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez with Joe Noga. We got a lot of stuff going on. But this is Rutgers. This is Rutgers. So we'll do our picks. We'll start with our Rutgers picks. We don't like to beat around the bush. It's a 38-point line. Nathan, is this, is this anything? <laughs> I think Dan Levitard does that on his show. Is this anything? Like I've what, been asking myself that. What um, is the – what the – I don't know. I've been trying to figure out exactly how they came to, to – or why, why the line has stuck here. And I, I guess I'm assuming it's because Rutgers won a game. They're, they're, they're a 500 team as of the playing of this game, and it was against another Big Ten team, the win game. And because they were competitive-ish against Indiana and – you know, if they let that uh, fat guy uh, have that lateral or whatever, then it's a one-touchdown game. And then who knows what this 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 spread would be for this game, like 20-something? Like, I mean, so I, I don't – I think people are giving uh, uh, Rutgers just a little too much credit for the way these first two games have gone and maybe not enough credit for – the way Ohio state's first two games have gone because that Penn state game was even more comfortable in some ways than what that final score showed. It was a one touchdown game early in the second half, but uh, there was some fluky stuff had to happen for that to happen. And Ohio state controlled a lot of that game. I thought um, in in important ways. So I I think the line is too small. I, I, 
and and I, I but it it's been it's stuck this long enough that it makes me wonder if there's something I'm missing, if there's something goofy going on out there that we just don't see. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, the, you said like, yeah, like kind of competitive-ish with Indiana last week. It's, it <laughs> At really home was, against Indiana, you were competitive-ish, and that was like a big selling point. Like it was – that game was 23-7. to Indiana scored to go up 23-7 like five minutes into the second half. Not that that's a blowout, but then it was, you know, some back and forth. Yeah, they did have the crazy thing at the end. I will say we're going to get into our other Big Ten picks. And I also have a game that I'm going to make you guys play. It's called Rutgers Player or New Jersey State Legislator. And I have a list of people, and you're going to have to pick which one is which. So that's how we're, pre- how, so we're previewing a Big Ten football contest. I also was thinking about this. This happens – it's happening a lot with this presidential election, which as we record this at 4.30 Thursday afternoon, this is not political. It's a semantic discussion. We're still – nothing has been called yet. But every time they talk about it, it's everybody always says, like, we're waiting to see who is the next president of the United States. And it always feels like when, the, when you add – when you make more words in the title, when they're talking about it now, nobody ever says, who is the next president? They always say, who is the next president of the United States? And I always – I thought maybe if we started referring to with our picks here, who will be the victor? in this Big Ten football contest. It makes it sound a little fancier than who will win, right? So maybe it puts a little respect on this. Like, hey, you know what? If we learned anything so far, hey, guess what? Ohio State's favored by 38. Polls are often wrong. So let's, hey, maybe this 38-point betting line, the betting line, maybe nobody has a handle on this. So Nathan has his pick. What did you say was the score? Did you make a pick? Actually, I didn't. I, I didn't know we were giving scores already. Fifty-three to twelve. Fifty-three to twelve. You just you tried your very best to figure out how maybe you would take Rutgers thirty-eight, and you were unsuccessful. Yeah, I mean, because just knowing how much Ohio State is going to score, the amount of points you would have to give to Rutgers, I, I, that's about as close as I could get. Seven touchdowns. Six touchdowns. 55 12 53 to 12 53 to 12 okay they'll go for two when they're up 53 to 12 and miss that's how they'll stay stick at 53 i like shiano keeping his foot down hey we're not here to lose by 41 we're not here to lose by 40 we're here to lose by 39 Rutgers football so okay so you did your best not because you're trying to but so i just want to make sure about the line you are wondering if Vegas is tricking us because everybody would think, why isn't this more? You've been waiting it for it to go up, which sometimes people read that as Vegas is trying to trick us into taking Ohio State, so I'm going to take the other side even if it doesn't make sense. That's kind of what you yeah, were almost, where you were yeah, dabbling. Like, well, yeah, what, yeah, so like it's like reverse psychology or – Maybe not reverse psychology, but like it's like, yeah, like at some point you're like, wait a second, something's not right with this line. What are we missing? I will say, so we're going to make our other two Big Ten picks after this. The comparative results in the Big Ten so far I have me very confused. And I found it very hard to pick some other games, but there's a lot going in here of Rutgers beat Michigan State, Michigan State beat Michigan, Ohio State beat Penn State, Indiana beat Penn State, Rutgers kind of hung around with Indiana. 
what does it all mean? And there are a couple of the Big Ten games that I'm so I'm just absolutely scared off of. There's multiple Big Ten games that I have no handle on because I can't tell what's a fluke, what's a one-time thing, what is indicative of, of what a team is really like this year. I don't know if it's the, the pandemic. I don't know if it's that there were no non-conference games. But I feel like I have a less, less of a handle than usual, and I don't know anything. But I do have a handle on this. Ohio State is good and Rutgers stinks. So that, and, that I feel confident about. And real quick, we may be overthinking this a little bit because there's only – this the, this Ohio State line is tied for the second biggest line in the country right now. Oklahoma is also favored by 38 over Kansas, which is a disgrace to football right now in a way that Rutgers couldn't ever, I hope to, fall to. And then I think something who's it's like UMass is uh, a 40 something point dog to Marshall at home. Marshall at being at home over UMass, 45 points. So it's not. I mean, 38 is still actually a pretty huge number. So maybe we're just in a world where in the pandemic, with the weird stuff, with no non-conference, they're just not throwing out 50-point lines like they were right. on this game a year ago. And that Ohio State team last year getting that 50-some point line was maybe different than this Ohio State getting a 52-point line or whatever. And this Rutgers team may be better. It certainly, I think, has a better coach. Um, so, And I like you – I like you just trashing Kansas under former national champion Les Miles. Let's remind the people that when Rutgers and Kansas played in 2018, just two seasons ago, uh, Kansas beat Rutgers 55 to 14. So that was I, that was unbelievable. They played each other that year. It was like literally like the two worst programs. It's like if they went through and just lined up all 130 Division One teams and were like, okay. Let's play one versus two, three versus four. It's like, okay, 129 versus 130 is Kansas versus Rutgers, and it was a 40-point game. All right, Nathan could not find his way to it, to trying to see if he take the 38, so he has Ohio State given those points. Steven, where are you? 63 to 10. I don't care what the reasoning is for why the line is so low. I just know it's low, and I wasn't going to try to figure out why. So I'm um, 63 to 10. This game is not going to be close ever. This is one of those – we do a, a picks podcast with the Browns every week, too. We have a texter there. We don't do it here. I don't want to, like, make our texters on Ohio State jealous. We don't, we don't do it here. On there, we have a texter come in once a week and make the picks. And, like, last week, it was the Jets versus Kansas City, which feels very much like this kind of game. That's the, that's the NFL yeah. version of Rutgers versus Ohio State. And it was, like – I think the line was, like, 22 or 21 and a half or something. And it was, like – are you going to – I think the texter took the Jets because, like, I'll take the 21 and a half with the Jets. And it's just like, do you want to live in that world? I don't even know if I want to live in this world. You want to take Rutgers plus 38 and then be wondering, is C.J. Stroud going to throw the touchdown pass to screw this up? I will say the one thing, the idea of when Nathan got burnt against Nebraska because Jack Miller scored a touchdown that Ryan Day didn't want him to score – do you think Ryan Day will have the backup quarterback, Stephen, taking knees in this one? Or is this one of those where, listen, like this is a great opportunity for guys to get some experience? I, I don't know. Would it maybe – should it scare people off Ohio State giving up this many points that last time Ohio State had a blowout, they did score a touchdown late, and Ryan Day apologized for it? Does that mean he's not going to push it if they're up big, are they not going to let the backups try to score in the last 
five minutes. I get why he felt he needed to apologize for that. Um, some of it is probably because of his relationship with, you know, Scott Frost, which might come into play here with Greg Schiano as well. But you got to play football, man. It's, you know, in that situation, you probably could have taken a knee, but also that's a freshman quarterback who got an opportunity to get in the end zone, which more to the, the theory of maybe he was rewarded with being the first quarterback to take the field because he was so loyal for so long. That's the best way that you can cap that off. At some point, these two quarterbacks have to get game experience. And no, you don't have to be as uber aggressive with it. You don't have to kick an onside kick to start to start a, to get to after your first series to try to get the ball back because you want to be aggressive. No, like you did against Maryland last year. But you still have to call, call plays and get these kids experience in games. And these next two games are probably your best shot to do that. So, no, you don't be aggressive to score with 10 seconds left on the clock. But for the rest of the fourth quarter, yeah, you, you do. You have to play normally. As much yeah, as it I, killed me, I, I, I mean, you're just running the ball with your freshman quarterback and, like, your second string. I, it's, it's on Nebraska to stop that. I mean, come on. He, but I, yeah, it, it just happened I to score. To, it's not like he had a 60-yard touchdown. He was right there. If, if, if we had more questions to give Ryan Day this week, I think I might have asked him if he has been practicing um, – if they have been practicing the clock formation with their second string. Because he said – that was his excuse later is they didn't have the right personnel in to take a knee. I don't think I think yeah. that kind of got uh, glossed over a little bit. How do you what what kind of personnel do you need to take a knee? Like, there's nothing nothing wrong can happen when you like the worst. Like, okay, like he could not know what he's supposed to do and trip and fall down and fumble and they could take it back and you're still going to win by a thousand points. Like, what what are you worried about? I, I will start. say, <laughs> maybe I don't know. They, they screwed up taking a knee against Penn State and it cost them three. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay, fair, fair. That, so you do need it, yeah. It sounds like that was a that was a clock screw up, right? That it's only said two in the stadium, but it was actually probably two point something. True. It wasn't like Justin Fields actually put his knee down too early or anything, but it is possible given. Uh, if if you're looking for a theme of the Ohio State season, what is something that went wrong in week one and also <laughs> went wrong in week two? It's taking a knee. <laughs> Ohio State. Yeah, ever touch me ever again. Just have somebody run around for a little bit and then throw the ball out of bounds. Yeah, I. That's the Joe Bosman play they call it. That's just Joe Bosman on this, running a circle and throw it in the stands. That was mean for no reason. So okay, so that's two covers. I got it too. I have fifty-five to eight. I went back to the last six games, the only six games Ohio State and Rutgers have played against each other in their history since Rutgers joined the Big Ten. I added up the scores. I averaged them together, and the average score is fifty-five to eight. I think it more is about they're going to be up like by the cover before the backups come in. So I do think maybe Rutgers first team scores on the Ohio state backups and screws the cover, but I don't know that you'll be like I was in week one with the Doug line relying on the backups to score in order to cover. I will say this from Matt uh, from Concord township, Ohio, I chose fewer than 38 points because I assume Coach Day will take his foot off the gas. But I think the first team will likely be leading by more than 38 when the reserves go in. So that's Matt saying the reserves go in and the defense gives up some stuff. I do think – and we don't just want to really talk about, like, the betting line here because Ohio State's going to win. I and mean, we'll talk a little football. Greg Schiano and Ryan Day said it many times. In 2018, when Ryan Day was appointed the interim coach – while Urban Meyer was suspended. Ohio State had two 
veteran head coaches on that staff and Kevin Wilson and Greg Schiano, and they did not pick them. They picked Ryan Day. And Ryan Day then and now talked about how much Kevin and Wilson, Kevin Wilson and Greg Schiano helped him in that period of time. So Ryan Day and Greg Schiano do have a relationship. And I don't know how that affects the pedal to the metalness of this, that maybe he doesn't want to really dunk on Greg Schiano, but I don't I don't know if they can help it. You know, like I just I just don't I don't know if they can help themselves. So we put it out to the texters. I said, what would be the outcome of the Ohio State Rutgers game? Our tech subscribers, if you want to be able to take part in surveys like this, the chain restaurant bracket is done. I'll come up with something else because I think people do like like voting on that weird stuff. So I'll I'll, I'll come up with something. We had done an Ohio State like a players bracket um, in the spring that people seem to like. We'll come up we'll come up with something and we'll start that here the next couple of weeks. Actually, I'll probably send it out to the texters and say, what do you have ideas for a bracket? But if you want to be part of that, we also send out a lot. We're doing more football questions. So we want, it's an easy way to participate with us. We also send news and analysis, but this is one of the things on the surveys. And then we'll interact with you if we can. 614-350-3315. Ohio State wins by 38 or more. Ohio State wins by one to 17, or I'm not putting Rutgers wins as a choice because Doug doesn't play like that. That got 7%. So um, that's, <laughs> that skewed the vote. So there's 93% left. I'm not putting – I can't with a straight face. Like, Rutgers wins as an option. It's like so, voting for Kanye. <laughs> yeah, right. That was the Kanye vote. Yeah, th- that is – you get a sense of how many people just like voting for the screwball stuff, <laughs> yeah. which – which I appreciate, but it's like, hey, do you want to make a Rutgers or Ohio State pick? It just would be a, a screwball. So the I like it. Is, unlike Kanye, I don't know if Rutgers would vote for itself. It's true. That's true. Greg, yeah, Greg Schiano's like, you know what? I think maybe we can keep it within 36. All right. What do you guys think is the breakdown of the remaining 93% between Ohio State will cover? Well, I put 38 or more. Ohio State won't. One to 37. Nathan, what do you think? 71 to 22. Steven. Hold on, I have to do some math in my head. Like 80 math. to 13 cover. Yeah, it, there, are, there are people who are a little suspicious. They are. It's 60 to 33. Wow. So only 60%, which is I, – so I think there's a lot – I think there's some psychological stuff going on here with trying to figure out how long are they going to keep it going. I, I think there, there maybe is a little football stuff here. This is from the 614. Guys, Rutgers is always Rutgers, but they are a different Rutgers under Shiano. I'm just saying. I don't expect to cover. Weird stuff happens when Rutgers comes to town sometimes. Like, is there just a – is there a fundamental competence that has not, frankly, existed at Rutgers since they joined the Big Ten and probably hasn't really existed? Kyle Flood had a year or two, I think, in the, in the wake of, of Shiano – much, much like Mark Helfrich on a higher level did after Chip Kelly. Sometimes the, the guy who takes over can keep it going for a year or two. But once you really got through into Kyle Flood, that wasn't it. And then Chris Ash was worse. Is there a fundamental level of competence here that you think will show itself in a game like this? The talent is there's no question. But Nathan, does that, does that pop up somehow? Eventually it will. Eventually I think it will become a more respectable way of losing football games to Ohio State for Rutgers. But do I think it'll happen this year? No. I mean, look, I mean, this this Rutgers team is not um, more talented or better coached than the Cincinnati team that came into Ohio Stadium last year and got just 
completely taken apart. Well, I think it was 42, nothing. Right. I mean, it's so, I mean, this isn't a better team than I know that there may have been some weird psychological things going on that day for Luke fickle on Ohio state, whatever. And maybe that was just a weird, we talked about this the other day, but it's this Rutgers team should not be within six touchdowns of Ohio state. Nathan, you were on the call with Greg Schiano the other day when he did his news conference early in the week. Did he indicate, I mean, listen, his situation is so different than Luke's. I mean, Luke, Luke lives and breathes Ohio State. Ohio State was just a stop on, on his, in his coaching career for Greg Schiano because he was friends with Urban. Did you get any sense from Schiano that there's anything, is there any intangible weirdness, any intangible, I want to show my old friends at Ohio State that I'm good, any intangible, you know, Ohio State fans, what they remember Greg Schiano is being at the helm of a terrible defense in 2018. Do you think that's any Schiano effect on him for this game? No, and I think it's it's a good thing for Rutgers. I didn't get that vibe at all. Um, you got to remember, and the, the the difference in what that I just said about comparing it to Cincinnati was last year Cincinnati was already kind of a known commodity. They were a team that people thought was like a really good group of five team, and maybe they could come into Ohio Stadium that early in the season and show them something and and, and may have a respectable loss. I don't think anybody's expecting that of Rutgers. And I don't think necessarily Greg Schiano thinks that either. He knows he's at kind of ground zero a little bit and building up from there that they, they're, they're, they're in the infancy of whatever he ends up doing is happening right now. He alluded to that a little bit in the call that, you know, they assessing what they had done through two weeks, but really just being more about, you know, Hey, we had our first win and we had our first week after a win and our first meal after a win and all that stuff. And now we've had our first loss and our first Sunday where we had to kind of eat it and just, you know, be sit in that loss and think about how it feels for us. They're in that process, like just experiencing these new, these things for the first time as this part of the pro this new era of the program. So I think that's really where he's more focused on like, you know, that individual development and really long-term development than he is about, any grudges or any uh, needing to show up on Saturday for himself, certainly. Uh, I, I don't mean this facetiously. It does feel like maybe in another year or two, once Shiano has his program rolling there again, that maybe Rutgers will be like a 21 point underdog to Ohio state, not 38, not us wondering why it's not 44, not us talking about 50. And that's a version of progress. You know, and, and again, I actually, I do not mean that. I mean, they're never going to get to the point. I mean, Ohio State was a 12-point, was a 12-point favorite at Penn State. I mean, like if you're less than a three-touchdown underdog against Ohio State, that's pretty good in the Big Ten. So I do think we may be leaving the era of Rutgers incompetence and entering the era of Rutgers just not having enough dudes, but having a couple dudes and actually being – structurally maybe more of a team that at least looks like it knows what it's doing. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about this game, what people are thinking about. We're going to get off records a little bit. We're going to talk about the Ohio state side of things. We will check in on Brendan white, the Ohio state transfer who probably is the best defensive player for Rutgers. Now we got a lot of questions about that. And then we will finish up with our other big 10 picks. We each will make two more, but right now all of us saying, give the 38 points with Ohio state. We'll be right back on Buckeye talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, Stephen, I'll start this one for you from the 614. It's Chris from the 614. Which quarterback will, be, will come in after Justin Fields once the blowout is on against Rutgers? What's your prediction? C.J. Stroud because Jack Miller has already played, and, they have, and it seems like they want to keep everything between 
those two quarterbacks as even as humanly possible, at least in the public eye, which is why they both lost their black stripes within 90 seconds of each other, which is why they, they almost are talked about in this tandem right now. And the fact that they were, they're always working with Corey Dennis and Ryan Day will sometimes pull Justin Fields out of that room to work with him alone. The next step of that is if Jack Miller was going to play first against Nebraska, well, the next guy up has to be C.J. Stroud, and which is, and that might, and which means against Maryland, if things get out of hand, if they do have to go to a backup quarterback for the last series of the game, it's going to be Jack Miller. And I think that's how this is going to go. It's going to go back and forth between those two anytime the game is already decided and Justin Fields is not on the field. Are you expecting that, Nathan? Will you be surprised if, if the first guy in is not C.J. Stroud on Saturday? I would be surprised if the first guy in is Jack Miller for the same reasons that Steven just said, because if that happens, then Jack Miller's their backup quarterback. I think we, everyone has to operate that way. Right. And so then that opens up, I mean, and maybe that's what they want and maybe they're fine with that. I'm just saying that it seems like they have tried to avoid that sort of statement, that sort of um, branding of that position of, of to any one person. And I think if, if, if he's the first one in that, I think that becomes that way. So I think it would be Stroud or even Hoke before it's Jack Miller. The uh, we do our outrageous predictions every week. This is from the two one zero. You can find we're doing a couple things on YouTube. They're also on the site at cleveland.com/osu, but you can also subscribe to our Ohio State Football Cleveland.com YouTube channel, and there the videos show up. Um, we do the outrageous predictions on Thursday. We do game picks on Friday. We do game time decisions on Saturday morning. This is kind of along those lines. This is from the two one zero. You guys need might need to get out a pen, actually, for real to like keep track of this because this texter wants us to rank these the in order of likeliness. Okay. Number one is CJ Stroud accounts for three touchdowns. Next is three different true freshman receivers score. So that's likely Jackson Smith, Najigba, Julian Fleming, and G Scott. Next is a true freshman defender gets an interception. That's like in the Ryan Watts, Lathan Ransom zone, probably. Maybe, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think who else. Our two 100-yard rushers for this game. So I don't know if we have to rank all four. We can if we want to. But as you guys think about those, Stephen, you've kind of been making the case. Are, are you believing that this might be a big showcase for the backups? Because a lot of those things – you know, if C.J. Stroud accounts for three touchdowns or if they have three different true freshman receivers score, I mean, that's because that's three series at yeah. least of backups. Do you think that's on the table here? I, I do think it's on the table because this is Ohio State. There's always going to be one game, one Big Ten game at least, and it's usually the Rutgers game where the backups get to show out a little bit because the score has been in hand. And if it's a home game, you can pull your starters a little earlier than you would if you're on the road. And with Maryland and Rutgers being the worst teams in the big 10, the last two years, we saw it last year against Maryland is where the starters got pulled earlier and they went with the backups while Rutgers, they played a little bit further into the third quarter. Well, it's flipped this year because you can't rest these guys on back to back years. So this year, yeah, I think that's on the table for, I mean, go check out the, our outrage predictions video to see how many touchdowns I thought the backup quarterback would throw. But I think three touchdown passes for CJ Stroud, if he's the guy is on the table, three, t three different freshman receivers scoring is on the table as well, because at some point, because they don't have those mid American conference games, this is the most important game as far as if you want to just get those guys reps and not necessarily have to worry about what the score is. 
And just so people know, I, I don't think this actually matters because you can play four games and still redshirt anyway, and it's only mm-hmm. an eight-game season, but nothing matters for this year. This is a freebie year for everybody. So they could just play whoever they want to play, whenever they want to play, and without any kind of consideration with that on their mind. So that being said, Nathan, which one of those four would you think is most likely for this game? So in order, it'd be 200-yard rushers is the most likely. Um, yeah. That could happen no matter who they're playing, really. I mean, that, that seems like the most likely one. Um, then the true freshman defensive interception, I put number two. The um, C.J. Stroud getting three touchdowns, I put third. And the three different freshman TDs, three different freshman scoring TDs, I put fourth. Just because I think logistically that's the toughest one because they won't start throwing until so late in the game. And Stroud could run for touchdowns to count for those three touchdowns. So th- those three, three and four are closest. Um, I, I, I agree with what everybody's saying. I guess I would just say I would also push back a little bit on the idea that they would be showcasing the young guys just because um, I still don't know that they fully believe in those guys yet. I think this is more a case of show us what you've got than it is we're putting you out in a way to like showcase you. Maybe that's a semantic argument, but. So I might say that the interceptions might be the hardest one because I mean, part of interceptions is luck and just being in the right place at the right time. And I, that, that's, that one's one, too, you're right. But it's, that's the one that's left up the chance the, the most because as, as Ryan Day said today, no, they're not, they don't have a favorite receiver, but they can put a guy in a position where he should be expecting the ball. So the thing, I mean, interceptions are crazy. How can you predict that stuff? I'm, I'm thinking about this now. I'm thinking about this now. And I've been pushing all year of like, they got to play Justin Fields. They got to get him, let him put up Heisman numbers. Listen, this guy didn't come back to sit on the bench and watch. I mean, you got to let a guy play. You got to let a guy play. Does this, does this sound crazy to you? Like after halftime, they just absolutely shut it down and it's a JV game. And it's just when the offense takes the field in the second half, it is CJ Stroud it is Mayan Williams, it is Julian Fleming, it is Jackson Smith the Jigba, it is G. Scott, it is Paris Johnson, it is Luke Whippler. It is like the debut together as much as they can of the 2020 recruiting class, and they give those guys the second half. Because that's what – quarterback a quarter. And you let them try to play at least for like a quarter and a half. You're not worried about taking a knee. You let them play. You let them – play football against other people now you've got you know you can't do that if you're up 21 to 7 you know you've got to be up 35 nothing or something but maybe they will be like would there be could you envision that and steven would there be value in that like just tell justin and everybody else to pack it up it's like the, we're putting the freshman team in just to give them some run and make them feel that like that and it's not that you're sprinkling guys in necessarily let's feel this together i don't know it's probably not going to happen what do you think of the idea i think the value in it is is major because as ryan day pointed out parent is fair everybody has to kind of be ready because random things can happen because of COVID. but also i mean we saw it a lot last year where that just means they get really aggressive in the first half and justin fields has 25 passing attempts and so he'll get his numbers. Now he's not, he'll get his numbers in the first half and they'll do what they need to do and take care of business and allow that to happen. And Justin's back in the conversation now. He, those first two games, he played out of his mind to the point that I don't, he's not an afterthought in that conversation now. So that, he's fine there. You don't need Rutgers to, to tighten that. And so, yeah, I could see a world where you have to get these two quarterbacks reps 
in a game. You have to get it. And you have to get some of these other guys reps because somebody is at some point going to find a way to shut down Garrett Wilson and Chris Hall, even if it's just for a quarter. Clemson or Alabama will be able to figure it out. You're going to have to rely on some of these other guys at wide receiver. So, yeah, I think in a world where you give C.J. Stroud a full quarter, you give Jack Miller maybe the fourth quarter since he's already played so you can put him in a position to be the guy who has to take the knee, yeah, I could see that world where give each quarterback a quarter with the seconds and the string and the backups, and you ride out with it. I don't think it would happen to start the third quarter. I don't think it would happen to start the third quarter. Maybe, maybe. It's too early, especially, like, if they're receiving the opening kick of the third quarter. I don't see them just sending out the JV team. I think there's also – one thing to factor in here, too, is also sort of the sportsmanship aspect of it almost in favor of Rutgers. I think those guys – I mean, I think Rutgers wants their guys on the field against Ohio State as much as possible. And I think there's – I think there is a little bit of that that plays into this that I think opposing coaches in the conference – don't want to almost disrespect the other team that early. I know that's not, shouldn't be there. That's not gonna be their first priority. You do what helps your team the most, but I think that, you know, Rutgers guys uh, want their time on film against Ohio state potentially too. So I I don't think it wouldn't happen to start the third quarter, but I think it could happen second series. Maybe. I don't think that has anything to do with what decision Ohio state makes though. I, mean, I think they, they factor in that sort of games, that sort of like sportsmanship, that that like that respect within the conference. I think they absolutely do. So now they have to apologize for, for yeah. not taking a knee, and now they have to apologize for taking their guys out too early, and apologize for having a no, test that the rest of the Big Ten doesn't have to. I think. Listen, I, that honestly, that might actually help Ohio State's guys if they're getting reps against a first string unit. I don't. I think you're right. I think maybe Justin Fields gets a series in the third quarter just for the sake of doing that. But after that. I'm not surprised if the second stringers are out there. Especially so one thing is, if they're up 42 to three at halftime. Whatever Justin Fields plays on Saturday, if he plays four series, if he plays five series, if he plays seven series, Trevor Lawrence is playing zero series. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like, like in, in the Heisman race factor of it, you know, that, I, yeah. not that, not that that's a huge thing, but it's something to keep in mind. It's like, I don't know if, Maybe you don't feel the same imperative of like, hey, we got to let Justin throw five touchdown passes. Especially since Trevor Lawrence is missing a game that matters and Justin Fields is missing, would be missing the second half of the Rutgers game. Right now they're kind of on equal footing with the type of games they've played in. Trevor yeah, Lawrence was, is missing a showcase game. He's missing yeah. a showcase game. They both have big. one right now. His, he got Miami and put that to bed and Justin got Penn State and he put that to bed. So they're kind of – when you talk about the t- 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 type of game you want to see from both of those guys, you've seen them both already, and Justin's only played two games. Yeah, I, I was say it, it's. It, I wasn't even really factored in the Heisman stuff when I answered this earlier, and I, I think it's Ryan Day and other coaches are still talking about. Well, we just haven't had a lot of real reps. We haven't had a lot of game reps. We haven't had a lot of it. So I think that that I think it's that's a legitimate thing for them right now as they're planning things out. I think he won't play the whole game, but I think or I think to start the third quarter is just too soon. I think it might be my new outrageous prediction is it's 35 nothing at halftime and like a, not a single offensive starter plays in the second half. That might be my new prediction. I, could, I, I just wonder about it. It would be interesting. It'd be fun. I want, this is on those lines. It's our friend AK from the 614. The one thing I'm really curious about with this game is if you think we will finally get to see guys like Julian Fleming get their chance. That like this is – that's part of this too of like I think – Julian Fleming in particular, and Julian Fleming is kind of a stand-in for sort of everybody. You know, the, Paris Johnson is the Julian Fleming of the offensive line and, and everybody else. I bet 
I think we said Julian Fleming got like a snap on the 11 Warriors snap count against it is. State yeah, last week. Barely like played, one. Yeah. And he barely played against Nebraska until Chris Olave got knocked out of the game. I bet he's a little disappointed. I'm not trying to just, – just human nature. Not that he's mad. But I bet, I bet maybe the start of his college career hasn't gone exactly how the number one receiver in the country thought it would go. And so it's a, this is about everybody. AK's question is about everybody. But let's really zoom in, specifically Julian Fleming, because Mookie Cooper is in a little bit different spot. G. Scott is a very good player. A lot of people think he's going to be a very good player. He wasn't the number one receiver recruit in the country. And Jackson Smith and the Jigba has a role. So Jackson Smith and the Jigba, I think, is feeling good. What do you think? What do you think? What? And, and not that Ryan Day is trying to kiss Julian Fleming's butt, but listen, man, you're, you're the number one receiver in the country, and you've barely played the first two weeks. What do you think, Steven? I agree, but at the same time, I think this is the one thing about rankings that may be a little off um, is I think there is a difference between being a better talent and having a higher ceiling and being the more game-ready player. And we've had this conversation on a, first, on a previous podcast where we talked about Jackson Smith to Jigba just because of the offense he played in, the state he comes from, and what he was able to do in high school might be more ready for college football than Mookie Cooper, uh, there's, no, Scott and, there's no might. I mean, we've seen it. Yeah, right. He's, he's, he's more ready than that. Julian, he, he admitted to this when we talked to him on signing day, the fact that there were some technical things at a receiver he didn't really know because he didn't have to. He was just better than everybody. And so it was, I'm going to give you the ball three times and you're going to take it for 120 yards and that's going to be that. No, but we know that. We talked about that in the preseason. Yes, so, so I don't, given that, given that, yeah. we don't have to restate that. Given that, should they give Julian Fleming a big helping of second half run and a blowout or not be worried about it? I think so, yes, as to see where his progress has gone. I think it's time to see it on the field, what he's been able to do over the last eight months. Yeah, I think this is the game to do that in. Not everybody's the same. I mean, yeah. it's like once you get here, they take the five-star out of you and they make fun of you if you're a big recruit. And but it is different to... once you're talking about a guy who's that talented who finally got real coaching and you want to see if there's any payoff from it. Yeah, I agree. And you don't want him to hang his head. I mean, it's very frustrating. I mean, I, I, all over the years, great players come here. And not that Julian Fleming's going to redshirt because nobody has to redshirt because it's a pandemic or whatever. But it can be very frustrating. And a little taste sometimes I think can go a long way for some of these guys. And I think of all the people – Right. I think I don't know that Julian Fleming thought it would be a rotation the way that we sort of thought it might be a rotation. Mm -hmm. If any of us would have said before the season, the idea of Julian Fleming playing one snap against Penn State, I think we would have been a little surprised by that. I'm thinking maybe he's a little surprised by that. So I think maybe if anything, he probably thinks I don't play that much this year and then sophomore year, all of a sudden I'm a starter and I'm catching 50 touchdowns, catching 50 passes, which is makes this more important sometimes you throw a kid a bone to keep him engaged and, and maybe you don't have to do that maybe julian fleming is 100 percent locked in but i just know from experience that it can be very frustrating for guys and you talk to them later in the career in their career and they say man my freshman year i was i was beside myself i couldn't believe it i was doing all this work and i didn't ever get to play and maybe maybe there's an opening here uh, this is AK had a second part of his question. He actually had four parts and they're all good. But Nathan, I want to ask you this one specifically. I said early in the off season, my ride the bus guy was Jonathan Cooper. Do you think what we saw on Saturday 
is what's to come or kind of a one-off where he just had a good game? Because we all agreed he was really good against Penn State. What do you think that means for him, Nathan? I think it's more likely that it's what's to come than it is a fluke one game. He does seem to get up for the big games because when people asked him afterwards, like, hey, do you is this the best game you've ever played? And he said, well, my – he said team up in North games. And my Michigan games have been really good. Um, too. So he, he, I think he kind of prides himself on being a big game guy. So we may not necessarily, there are just those guys that like the, the impact sometimes maybe comes out more statistically in those games. But I, 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 what I saw from him last Saturday was, I mean, that's the first time I've gotten to watch him play football, fully healthy, fully kind of just, you know, unleashed and ready to go. And I was impressed. Um, and the, the rotation that they have there keeps him fresher, keeps everybody fresher. And maybe, um, opens the the door for for those kinds of uh, nights more often. So I think it's more likely that he has uh, other really productive nights like that than it is he just disappears. Let's do uh, one more here from the six one four. It's Chris in the six one four. This isn't specifically game related. I almost maybe want to save it for next week. But we get so many great questions. We don't have to save stuff. We can just unleash it. You can pick only two players to be on the 2020 Ohio State roster. I saw this. This is great. Two of these three. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, you guys know I'm picking, so you guys go ahead. But Okay, so you're taking the receivers? You're taking both receivers, Stephen? Is it and or is it or? Is it one of the two? Two of the three. It's two of the three. Two of the three. Okay. Olave. You would pick Garrett Wilson first? If you it's only had cutting, which of those three are you cutting? No, I know, but let me make this clear. If you had one of the three, it'd be Garrett Wilson, Stephen. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why are you making that face? Why is that obvious yeah. to you? Of I Chris think... Olave, J.K. Dobbins, and Garrett Wilson, it's obvious to you that Garrett Wilson's okay. the pick. Yeah, I think he can do more. I mean, he just showed um, he can be a part of the running game if it's necessary. He's in the slot right now. Or you can also throw him back outside if you need to. Chris Olave is a great outside receiver. We haven't seen him in the slot, and we don't know if he could be a part of the running game. J.K. Dobbins is a great running back. Best single season in Ohio State history statistically. But he showed that sometimes he can take his eye off the ball and drop passes. Oh, holy moly. I did not Jeez. know that this Garrett, this Garrett I mean, Wilson case is now backwards slander on the 2000. It's not backwards. Back. Okay, it's not backwards slander. It's just I think Garrett Wilson can give you the best of both worlds while with the other two, you're getting really good at that thing. Garrett Wilson dropped what? a punt last year against Rutgers. Maybe let's hold that against him. Yeah. Why did he, did. Why did Ohio but he State also have- took one back for 37 yards? <laughs> why did Ohio State have to run that jet sweep against Penn State? Because they don't have J.K. Dobbins. They don't have someone else who can get out to the edge and create that kind of rushing production on the perimeter. I think right, this is, yeah, a, but this I is think, an easy choice, right? It's Olave and Dobbins are the two I would keep. So rank them in order. So rank them in order then. So, so Nathan, who did this to us? If I'm ranking them in Chris order, I would probably – I'm taking Garrett and Dobbins first. And Olave and third? Chris, okay. yeah. I would right. go Dobbins, Olave, Wilson for this season. It's hard because on some level, the presence of the other receiver makes the other receiver slightly less valuable while you only need one running back. And, and I think we have the example of running backs who are not as good as J.K. Dobbins. 
And it's like, well, if you didn't have Garrett, what would you do? And it's like, well, I guess you'd probably just have Jackson Smith and the Jigbus started in the slot all the time. And if you didn't have Chris Olave, what would you do? Well, I guess maybe you wanted to move Garrett into the slot. You'd have Garrett outside and you have Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think if you take, I think if you take one of the receivers away and you don't take the two receivers as your answer, you're sliding Jackson Smith and the Jigba in onto the, as a starter is your answer. But so also you, we've said that you don't necessarily need a JK Dobbins type running back with this roster in this season to win a national championship. That if you that having those two options together accentuates everything Justin does best, and that on one hand, by having two receivers, maybe they're slightly less valuable because at least you have the other guy. On the other hand, by having both, they accentuate each other's talents, put more pressure on a defense, and that they make each other better by having two instead of one. I think what's actually oh, true like is there's no wrong answer, almost. 50 minutes. Yeah. I thought we were going to go short on this podcast, and now I feel like this is tearing us apart. I think my, ins- one, my instinct certainly was to have it to be Dobbins and one of the receivers. But, you know, I'm not – I think the argument of, like, you that you multiply the effectiveness of the receivers by having them together is, is certainly an, an argument – Especially when you have a second-year Justin Fields. I think the last year they relied on. Last year, every they relied on the running game first because of what J.K. Dobbins was. Part of that is because you had a first-year starting quarterback. You Justin Fields is peak Justin Fields as a college football player, and he's got two first-round wide receivers and a ridiculous arm. That makes up for not having – now you rely on the passing game first. And he makes up for whatever Trey Sermon and Master Teague aren't with his own legs. Do we think this offensive line is better than last year's offensive line? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or I at least then, the ceiling is higher. I think the up- – yeah, agreed. I mean, then just think – I mean, J.K. Dobbins already had, as you pointed out, the best single-season rushing season in Ohio State history – would he now now give him second year Justin Fields, even better Justin Fields, and a better offensive line? Like I think I, I, I think we're underestimating how phenomenal that offense might be. I'm and not I, saying that the yardage won't be crazy. I'm saying you don't need that with this roster to win a national championship. But doesn't it? I, just because you don't need it to win a national championship doesn't mean it would make it more likely that you could win a national championship. It is. It's like, it's like, what would you rather have against Clemson and Bama? Would you rather have two receivers they have to defend and an okay running back or one great receiver and an All-American running back against Bama and Clemson? I mean, that's the in issue. A wor- in a world where they're already, you know, every target in the world is going to those two receivers and you take one of those away and now it does become a, you know, does Justin Fields have a favorite receiver and what happens if you take one of those guys away and those other guys aren't ready? All right, so let me ask this. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure. There's a. There's not a right answer to this because I think it's defensible all the way around. I think you yeah. can take any of the three away, and you can make an argument for it. You would definitely take of the two receivers, Stephen. You would want Garrett Wilson over Chris Olave. Nathan, who would you want among the receivers if you're keeping one receiver? If your answer is Dobbins and a receiver, which receiver is it? 
I would keep Olave, and I, 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 to me, it comes down to just sort of that it's an X factor almost, like a feel. And coming into the season, I was the one saying, I don't is Chris Olave a first round receiver? Like, I mean, he's pretty good. He, I, I think he's a really good football player, and I think he might be able to develop into something more. But is he a first round receiver? And like two games in the season, I'm like, how, like how someone's going to take him fast. Like he's legitimately great. Like both of those touchdown catches in two very different ways that he made against Penn State were tremendous plays like going up and making a play on the ball the way he did in the front corner of the end zone and then I think we we they make that deep ball look so easy it is not that that is a really 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 difficult play full stride with your fingertips and keeping your balance as you're falling in and you've got a guy on your shoulder I mean like that's he's so he I'm I see the x factor from him in a way that now I kind of look at Garrett Wilson now as like what I, the way I saw Chris Olave last year, like clearly a really talented football player and he's going to be a first round talent, I think, but is he there now? I think Olave is the one that's a little bit more advanced right now. All right, let's do this. It's the Rutgers preview. It's the Rutgers preview pod. I'm going to send it out. I'm going to send it out to the Texers. We'll revisit it next week. It's Maryland week next week. We're going to talk about Maryland, talk about to his brother for four podcasts. I'm going to send it out. So this is, that's, this is to be continued. I knew it, Chris of the 614. I knew this was too good for a Friday preview question. I, I will be – I cannot wait. This is the one thing about the texting that I love. It's like I get as excited as the texters do. I can't wait to see what the answer to this is. Pick two of the three. Olave Dobbins, Olave Wilson, Wilson Dobbins. Who are you picking? I have no idea what they're going to say. And now the texters have our little bit of this discussion – to feed into their own thinking. So texters, get ready. This is coming, and we're going to talk about it again next week. And just to say it, this was almost a filtered version of how we ended up doing the quarterback pod. Right, right, right. Literally. Yeah, it's, I like just this got there. It was just recorded this time. We should do a – is everything we do, there's going to be the pre-pod. It's like the yeah. appetizer <laughs> pod and then come back for the entree. You know what this discussion was? This discussion was the rolls with cinnamon butter. Uh, okay. We're going to come back. There's not – listen, okay, I got to do this. We'll come back with some Brendan White and our picks for the rest of the Big Ten games next on Buckeye Talk. Back from the 8-6-3, what are the chances of Brendan White getting a pick against Justin Fields? I mean, that guy, he'd love it, right? I mean, he's back there Roman, right? I think that's what he's doing. He's back there Roman. And I do think it's possible – Lamont Wade's pretty good, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Brendan White, it's not like he – I don't think he has any tricks because he didn't play with Justin Fields, first of all. It's not like he has any tricks about the Ohio State offense that are going to help him. But um, I think we agree that probably there's a scenario where, like, they come out slinging for a half and just let the first team go and sling, sling, sling. And I don't know. I mean, that's, that's not really the issue because who can predict interceptions? So this is the issue. From the 614, do you think Brendan White is really happy that he left Ohio State for Rutgers? The Ohio State coaching staff messed him up with the whole bullet thing, but I can't help thinking he would be a good addition to this back seven. I'll never forget his Rose Bowl MVP performance. Listen, Brendan White didn't do anything wrong. He got caught in between a shift of how the defense wanted to play. There was really it was one casualty of the, the defensive changeover from what they were trying to do in 2018 that didn't work when Brendan White came in and became the start in safety in the second half of the year and really helped save their bacon in some ways. He wasn't perfect, but he was better than what they were doing in the first half of the year. 
Isaiah Pryor's at Notre Dame now, by the way. It's like they wound up having two, two safeties from that 2018 defense transfer. And then in 2019, all spring, they're like trying to make him a bullet and all this stuff. And it just, it wasn't a thing. It was, you looked at him in practice and he's working with the linebackers. He's not backpedaling. He's working on linebacker stuff. It's like, what are they doing to this guy? And he didn't do anything wrong. So like Nathan, I don't want to get into a kid's head. Congratulations to him. I hope he's very happy at Rutgers, but just anybody in this situation, would you have any kind of regrets of thinking, Hey, maybe I could be starting for Ohio state right now and chasing a national championship, or you got to go find your own way. You land with the coach that you know, and Greg Schiano. and you know what? Your team's not very good, but like you're a really super important part of that team. How would you guess maybe Brendan White's feeling right now getting ready for this game, Nathan? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think he'd be there starting free safety. I don't get that vibe really at all. Um, at all? You think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And this is hard. Nathan wasn't here with Brendan White or whatever. And this yeah. is, it's a hard thing to guess. But let me ask. So I want Stephen on this too. But Nathan, just first of all on this, you do know what your belief is in their trust in Marcus Hooker and Josh Proctor. That's why you're saying that about Brendan White. How would you explain what you think their belief is in the two guys they have right now? Well, I mean, again, it's – I mean, but but just relative to to White, he, he wasn't playing over Proctor last year, like even in a secondary role. Uh, he wasn't the number two safety last year behind you're Fuller. Right. So, but I mean, that was also he, when Proctor was still just a single high safety and not what he is this year. And it's when they were trying to make Brendan White into a bullet and he was trying yeah. to be like a bullet and a safety at the same time. But uh, that's a point well taken. We have some proof of – he was on the team with Josh Proctor, and Josh Proctor was getting snaps that Brendan White wasn't getting, which is part of the reason that Brendan White transferred. So that's a point well taken, Nathan. I get what you're saying there. You guys, you would have a better perspective on did he show – the way that they talk about Hooker and the way they talk about what they want free safety to be, is he more like that? I think he could have been. Steven, yeah. what do you think? I think I he think, could have been. I think he could have been either. And I think he kind of was. Yeah, actually. I think I, I honestly, th- I honestly think that if – Pete Warner wasn't so good at what he was doing last year. We, what we're seeing Josh Proctor do this year is exactly what Brendan White would have been doing last year. And, but he also showed in 2018, because the first game he really got snaps was actually the first game I ever covered here. He could be either position here if they would have developed it that way. If they hadn't have moved him to be the bullet, uh, whatever we're calling that thing, whatever that was, if they would have kept him in that single high safety position, I think there's a good chance he would be the starting single high safety this year. From the 513, I'm looking forward to watching Brendan White play for Rutgers. I thought he was good at Ohio State with the depleted DBs in our room. What does our defense look like with him still here? I mean, I think in the end, it looks, I think it's just like they have three guys at that spot. I, I don't know that he would be ahead of Marcus Hooker and Josh Proctor. I don't think he would be behind them necessarily. I mean, clearly right now, Marcus Hooker is ahead of Josh Proctor. He's playing more snaps. He's the starter. Josh Proctor isn't. Josh Proctor has a role where he's doing some other things. I I think it would have been a heck of a competition. And I think Brendan White at his best, you know, I mean, Marcus Hooker is not the defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl. I mean, no offense to Marcus Hooker, but I mean, that's, and that's a, I don't want to overdo that, but that guy was legitimately on a bad defense, okay, on a, on a defense yeah. that did not play well, on a defense, frankly, that had pretty good players, but as a unit did not play that well. Brendan White was an important piece of that. And so I think he could have been an important piece of Ohio State. I don't think this is one of those where if they had him, it's the difference between, like, 
beating Clemson or not, if Brendan White's back there instead of Marcus Hooker. And I don't think it's one of those where if he was still here, he'd just be on the bench and he'd have no role. They just have more depth there and that'd be fine. But as we talk about a lot, and as I say all the time, it's like, sometimes it's like, Hey, you could be a co-starter at Ohio state or you, while you're fighting to be second or third of the depth chart, or you could go to Rutgers and like be the best player on the defense. I mean, it's great. It's great to be a Buckeye. It's great to win. It's great to play at the highest level with the best players. But it also can be great to go somewhere where you're one of the best guys. There's value in that too. And so I think this is actually a really good example. Sometimes we wonder about this stuff. This is some proof of it. Brendan White, we think, would be in the mix to play some with other young guys who are good but are not superstars. At Rutgers, he's like the best player on defense. So when we wonder, oh, could Ohio State's second team, whatever, it's like, oh, I wonder what it would be like if Taraja Mitchell and Dallas Gantt were at Rutgers. It's like, do you mean they would never come off the field and like be third team all Big Ten? Yeah, they would be. And this is the example. This is the example of it. This is a little bit of proof of that kind of thing we talk about all the time. Last thing before we get to our picks, and we appreciate everybody who sent in questions about this. I'm looking – oh, no, that's not the one. Here's the one. Just uh, the real question, this person said, if Rutgers beats Ohio State, would you make them the favorite in the Big Ten East? Just kidding. From the 419. Love that kind of question. Real question is whether there's any possibility Rutgers could win or even hang close to Ohio State. And the toughest question, should I take up DVR recording space to record this game? <laughs> I would take up recording space because when the backups come in, you want to look at them. And I yep. want to, if CJ Stroud and Jack Miller each do get a couple series, I want to go back and rewind that and say, how'd they look in the pocket? Were they accurate? What kind of reads were they making? When you, when you put in the backup offensive line, I want to rewind it. I want to say, how'd Luke Whipler look? Was Paris Johnson killing people at right tackle? Like I, that's why you don't have to DVR it. You might just want to fast forward to the second half because sometimes it's fun to see the future of Ohio State. I wouldn't want to see how's Julian Fleming look? What kind of routes is he running? So that's why I would suggest that you DVR this game. Let's get to our picks. Guess what? We went 3-0 last week. Did you know that, Stephen? I didn't. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. You went 3-0. and I didn't do anything. Oh, that's it. I. No, you. You. Oh. You. Did you know you went 3-0? I knew I went 3-0. and I thought you oh, were yeah. talking about yourself for a second. I was going to, you know. Oh, oh, just because all I do is talk about myself. You thought I was talking about myself? I was just going to throw you a bone there, man. I know I went 3-0. and I was going to, you know, remain humble. Take it week by week. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no bones for me. Nathan, I had you at 1-1-1. One, one, and one. You pushed. You got a tough push. You took Purdue minus seven against Illinois. And I think Purdue, like, controlled the game, but they only won by seven. So I think you Correct, took a, yeah. a, a tough push there. Yeah. And then you were right on Ohio State and you were wrong on Michigan. Steven right. and I were right on Michigan, Michigan State. And I was wrong on Ohio State. Steven was right on Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And Steven and I were both right on Northwestern Iowa, which didn't look good early, but then came around. Oh. Late. So the overall standing so far through two weeks, Steven is we're pretty good. Steven is five and one. Nathan is four, one and one. And I'm four and two. So we all have winning records. Congratulations to us. Let's do our other games. These are the other games. No Tyler Shoemaker as the guest, uh, the guest uh, bookmaker, but we'll get him back next week. These are the other five games. And, and I just, I don't like many of them. 
Nebraska plus three at Northwestern. Michigan State plus six and a half at Iowa. Minnesota minus seven at Illinois. Maryland minus 25 at Penn State. That has moved up from 21. Michigan minus three at Indiana. That started at minus two. So let's go. We'll do a, one pick at a time. Steven, you're leading. What's your first non-Ohio State pick? Yeah, the good thing about covering a night game is you get to watch all of these. Um, Maryland, Penn State, it's, it's minus 25 Penn State right now. Um, I've, Maryland showed me two different teams the first two weeks of the season, and so maybe they come back to the median here. So I'll take Maryland with the points. Penn State's going to win the game, but I'll take Maryland plus 25 with that one. I think they may be able to put up some points with Tua's little brother. I mean, he had a great game the week before. It's just they don't score. Okay. Nathan, are you taking that game? I am, Maryland, but I'm Penn taking State? the Penn State side of it. I think Penn State is motivated to not be 0-2 and to come out and maybe make a little bit of a statement. Um, it's at home. I think that helps. Um, I, I think they're going to come out and stomp. The fact that you guys are on opposite sides of this is why I'm not getting anywhere near this game. This is one of the games that I have no idea. I have no idea because I have no idea what Maryland is. Maryland got drilled by Northwestern, but then beat Minnesota. I don't know. I have no idea. So I did, I stayed away from that. My uh, I'm sticking with my go-to team for now. And this is the only game I felt really good about. I'll take Northwestern minus three at home against Nebraska. I think Northwestern's good. I think Nebraska's average. I think Northwestern wins. They did some stuff wrong against Iowa last week and came back. And I think Iowa's like solid. I'm not sure that Nebraska is any better than Iowa. So I just think Northwestern wins like 24 to 14. But I, I'm pretty convinced that Northwestern is going to win. And I feel like at home, giving up three is not that much. So I felt that's the only game I felt good about. Good about. Either of you guys take that one. I, I thought about it. Um, I thought about it. I, I'm kind of giving Nebraska a little bit of extra credit for having the off week and also kind of maybe coming out with something to prove this week, taking out some of their frustrations on the Wildcats. Okay. All right. So, Nathan, what's your other game? Uh, my other game is I, I think I have lost all faith that Minnesota is good at all. So I'm yeah. taking Illinois plus seven at home against the Gophers. Steven, any interest in this one? No, but I was very wrong about Minnesota this year. They're not very good. Um, my final game was Indiana and Michigan. Michigan's not good either. I think Indiana might not be that good, not not be worthy of that number thirteen AP ranking that they have right now, but they're better than Michigan. And so I'm going to take Indiana with the points. And I think Indiana is going to win that game. I think this is it's going to all go downhill for Jim Harbaugh this year at Michigan. I completely stayed away from those two games because you guys are putting a lot of faith in Indiana and Illinois right now. I no, don't know. It's the big town. Like there's, I, no, I, I know. It's a yeah, very weird year. Easy. To be fair, it's only my plus, th it's plus 3.5 Indiana. So it's not the craziest thing for that, for them to do that. But yeah, this is. Here, this is here's, let me ask. I consider ask, taking Michigan actually. Let me ask about both those games very quickly. And this is silly, but it's not 100% silly. Who has better players, Nathan, Illinois or Minnesota? I honestly don't know the answer to that today. I think it might be Illinois. Or, I mean, I think they might be even. I think it might essentially be even. Steven, who do you think has better players, Indiana or Michigan? 
I think Michigan might have better players, but Indiana has the better quarterback. Okay. I think Minnesota and Michigan have better players than Illinois and Indiana, and a really screwy start of the season has, has me thinking I have no idea what's going on, but that's why I stayed away from both. Minnesota might be ready to get healthy and, like, pound Illinois. I think that's absolutely on the table. And if Michigan's dead, if Harbaugh's going to go, like, two and six and have this kind of be the end, because, listen, man, Michigan already lost to Michigan State. If they lose to Indiana, they're going to lose to Ohio State. They're going to lose to Penn State. If they play the Wisconsin game, they're going to play. They're going to lose to Wisconsin. Is Michigan going two and six this year, or do they have to? If they're holding on to anything, come on, you go win at Indiana. So I don't know. Are they dead? Are they dead? I don't know if they're dead. If they're dead, it's a good pick, Steve. And if they're not, not dead, okay, then Michigan just comes out and they look competent again, the way they did against mm-hmm. Minnesota. So. I completely stayed away from those two games, which means there's only one game left, and it's Michigan State versus Iowa. Iowa's 0-2. Both their games have been within four points. Michigan State is getting six and a half on the road. I think Iowa probably wins, but in a landscape where I don't want to take any of these games other than Northwestern and Ohio State this week, I'll take Michigan State with the points because I think this game probably is 21-17 or 23 to 20 and that Iowa wins a close one, but it feels like six and a half is kind of a lot for Iowa. I don't know. What's Iowa. Why would Iowa give six and a half to anybody? And Michigan state just beat Michigan showed a pulse. So I'll take those points. This I mean, I don't know. Week to bet the big 10. I mean, Iowa's two losses are on the road at Purdue, which I, I've said before, I think is a team that's underrated a little bit and at home to Northwestern who you've said might be the best team in the West. So I almost took Iowa to just to cover that one. And, and they might be another team that's kind of in the, you know, a lot of teams I think feel a little bit probably challenged with these first two weeks have gone and, and, and need to prove something. Then they're another one of those. But again, who's better, Michigan or Iowa? I mean, if Michigan State can beat Michigan, they can beat Iowa. I don't know. I mean, it's very weird. It's a very weird season. I would stay away from a lot of this. If I was actually just picking with real money, I would bet two games this week. I would get bet Ohio State and give the points and I would take the Northwestern plus three and I would stay away from the rest. So it is, it's hard to evaluate. I don't know if there are sharps out there raking in the dough because they have a handle on this or if this, this weird college football season is like screwing everybody up because I do feel like lack of non-conference, both the lousy non-conference games where you can get a feel for a team and kind of the good non-conference games where a team really lets you know what they have in in a big spot. The lack of those has really thrown it off. And also Wisconsin's not playing this week. So I don't know. I hope I would, I hope Wisconsin gets back on the field, but that is a crazy I'm, situation. That's an interesting thing of how many games does Wisconsin have to play at this point? If it was, if Graham Mertz is going to be their quarterback and let's just say they win out the rest of their schedule, whenever they do get back on the field, how many games would they have to play to even be to even qualify for a big 10 championship? Well, there's a rule unless yeah, they change. You it. have to play six and they've already missed two. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, you have to play six or two less than the average number of games played in the conference. So, so if, if every team ends up only averaging seven games, then you only have to play five. Right. So then what? You're they're rooting for like a, an outbreak of the whole conference? Yeah. I mean, like that's – listen, like if that happens, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Like I don't think that's going to happen. I, it could, but Wisconsin can't miss another game or they're not eligible. I, I would not anticipate that other thing happening. 
I think so if they, we get to a point where every team has lost a game, I mean, if, if it's, if that happens, we may be not looking at the end of a season anyway. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, Oh, well, it's okay. That Wisconsin only played three games because nobody played more than five games. It's like, what are we doing? I don't know that the big 10 wants to live in that world. So Wisconsin's up against it. So they, this is their second game that is being canceled. And next week they're supposed to play Michigan. And if they can't play Michigan, then that, I think that's, that's it for them for the Big Ten championship race, which is just really crazy to think about because I thought after they beat Illinois week one, they were, they were a playoff contender in a wide open race for that four spot. I had them in there, and now they might not even be able to play in the Big Ten championship game. All right, we're going to cover this game on Saturday night. Steven and Nathan will be there. I will be on my couch eating chilies. So uh, make sure you guys are sticking with us. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. If you want to try the text, we'd love to have you. 614-350-3315. And we certainly do appreciate you listening to Buckeye Talk. So we'll have the post-game pod. Again, it gets a little late, so it doesn't get up really till the middle of the night because these night games, second week in a row, we're getting the night game. But we will have a post-game pod after the Rutgers game. And I think we'll be end up, end up talking a lot about, like, Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud. I bet. I don't know. Or we'll talk about, hey, Master Teague or Trey Sermon look really good. I'm not sure we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Justin Fields on this postgame pod because we know they're good. So what is there to say? But I think we might learn some things about sort of the mid-tier starters and the young backups who might get some run in this one. So thanks to you guys, as always, for Stephen and Nathan. I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.